Well, good morning. Well, we're glad you're joining us on either YouTube or Facebook. Uh, I'm Michael Easley, and this is... I'm Wayne Wolf, and just in case you're confused, looking at the backdrop behind Michael and I, that is blue sky, in case you've forgotten what that is in Nashville. That's not live? That's, that's not a real picture? That's not a real picture, oh, Michael. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. Uh, before we uh, begin, I want to give a big thanks to Warren Pettit and Logan Crockett. Uh, they have worked the last few days to make this possible, and uh, without them, we wouldn't be here this morning uh, joining you. So we're so appreciative of their ministry and their skill set. So thanks, Warren and Logan, who are working right now to make this possible. Let me begin with a par- portion of Psalm 18. Um, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Interesting passage, uh, Psalm of David, but strength, rock, fortress, deliverer, God, rock, shield, horn of salvation, stronghold. A great imagery for us in a time of uh, uncertainty and fear and confusion. Uh, who is our Lord? Who is our God? He is not surprised by a virus or a war or earthly traumas. And so we want to focus in on that this morning. Our our goal this morning is pretty simple. Uh, We want to give you some updates on what's happening through the life of Stonebridge Bible Church. We want to offer you some encouragement uh, not to live in fear, uh, also to be careful. And then we also want to help you if you have any specific need or a request. And we've got in the rotators, you'll see from time to time, if you want to contact us through information, you have update your personal contact information. If we don't have that, of course, we can't communicate back and forth with you. If you want to share it with someone that you know maybe is not in our database at Stonebridge, please feel free to do that. We'd love to uh, gather good information on people to stay in touch. And we do have men and women who are calling and reaching out to try and help you. So the more information we have on you, the better. Uh, Wayne, why don't you give us a little update because you and I have been hearing a lot going on in the life of Stonebridge, apart from you and I having to do with it, which has been so cool to see how organically this thing is working. I have to admit, uh, we get the chance to be encouraged because we hear from folks on a regular basis. And this past week, some of the things that have been going on just by people stepping out has mm-hmm. been you know, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got folks that are delivering groceries to uh, older people or folks that have health problems. And what you and I have both learned this week that we're elderly. Well, I got to tell you, my, my daughter-in-law told me yesterday that she was worried about being around us because of my age, and she didn't want to make me sick. Right, right. So you and I are so, old. All right, sorry, I interrupt. But. Yeah, we're all working through that, aren't we? Uh, you know, I, just a couple of things. We've had a number of folks reaching out just to check in with everybody at church. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, my phone started ringing uh, with people calling me to thank us for having people check in on yes. them. It is kind of amazing yeah. to watch. It's almost like we have our own disease happening in Stonebridge <laughs> of community being built. It's a good disease, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. But, but I don't want to miss what is happening. Uh, and, and I think you and I were both surprised by the number of folks in our little church family that have been impacted. Mm-hmm. Their business is closing. Yeah. Uh, if they're in small business themselves, having to let people go from their businesses mm-hmm. where they were going to need to rely on unemployment or some other form to, to get them through the day. And we're not exempt from right. what's going on. 
So. Um, you had a list of some items or prayer requests. I wanted you to kind of tick through some of those because we had, you mentioned the one gentleman that had to let some people go. Um, we also had um, the one gentleman taking some groceries to a neighbor. Other ones that were pretty sweet. There was a family impacted by the tornado yeah. uh, a while back and you got involved in that one. Yeah. So if, if, I don't know how many of you folks know Tom and Katrina Heinemann. Uh, Tom's the assistant uh, soccer coach at Belmont. And they lived right down in the middle of the tornado alley, I call it. Uh, and they've been dislocated from their home. They've got a little boy. And, uh, of course, every family should have a dog, not a cat. So they do have a dog, Michael. And uh, they were, uh, you know, they lost both of their cars. Uh, and, t- and they've just been so thankful for people in the church coming alongside them. As a matter of fact, yesterday, some folks from church helped them move to their new place. So it's pretty awesome. Well, that's the body of Christ at work, and that's what we want uh, to encourage you along some lines. Um, On Facebook and YouTube, you can make a comment, and uh, Logan is keeping an eye on that. So if there's something that you want Wayne or me to address, we'd be happy to try to do that. Again, to remind you, if we don't have accurate information in our database, we don't know how to contact you. So it's just a real good way to go on that info at Stonebridge and give us an updated information, your phone, your email, the best way to contact you. And if you have someone in your family that maybe doesn't have access to technology, they probably have a smartphone. And you could encourage them how to learn some new tricks with their smartphone, even watching this later on, perhaps. Uh, But use that as an opportunity to update information, to share this information with those who you think might have some needs. Uh, Before I read a couple of passages, um, what have you kind of gone to as your harbor or your reminder for you and Patty personally, as well as maybe uh, encouraging some of the folks you've talked to this week? Well, it's it's kind of funny for me. I think uh, I'm wired to really look at the personalities in the Bible. And uh, when when I think about people in the Bible, there are some I connect with more than others. Mm -hmm. And David happens to be one of the guys I connect with. Don't laugh at me. Mm -hmm. I love his, you know, take no prisoner, always on the offense kind of thing. For those of you that don't know this little friendship relationship (laughs) Michael and I have, he calls me the wire brush, Justin Wayne the wire brush, yeah. <laughs> so you're not surprised by that. But that's that's I mean that in an endearing way. <laughs> I'm sure you, <laughs> you do. <laughs> you get down to the issue, Michael. You wire brush me. Yeah. So for me, it's Psalm 23. Uh, you know, there's a couple of psalms where David he laments about the trouble in his life. Psalm 38 is one of those. We were having a small group last Sunday night, and uh, Warren brought out Psalm 38 to look at, where David says, "My life is in trouble." And then his answer to his life being in trouble is the fact that God's loving kindness is with him forever. Uh, It's your favorite word Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. Well, for me, it's in Psalm 23, six short verses. And and if you have your Bible and you want to just look at that with me, just, just a couple of quick observations about it. I've circled three things in my Bible or squares around them. David makes three declarative statements. He says, I shall not want... He said, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think about those three things, and they've come to mind for me in my own life in the last 10 days. Because it seems like every day that I think I have it figured out, something changes dramatically, and my faith is just rocked. 
and I, I have put to memory those three statements. Mm-hmm. So that, and I've tried to condition my mind that when I experience those moments, I say to myself, I shall not want because God is with me. Mm-hmm. I will fear no evil because God is with me. And I will dwell in his house forever. It's not about now. I win. It's interesting. I'm doing some study in uh, the history of the Reformation. And uh, one of the things this uh, professor that I enjoy so much, Dr. Philip Carey, points out is in the 14th, 15th, 16th centuries, the mortality rate was high. In some places, 60%. And so you live in a culture where people were dying so often, so frequently. Families, no family was immune children, many children were born, uh, were uh, stillborn and or died early after they were born. And we don't live in that culture. We live in a culture that's health fixated and we have antibiotics and great medicine technology. So we're not around death and dying as much. Mm-hmm. So when something like this knocks on the door and people start to panic and get, and get worried and concerned, it's a good reminder. This is a mortal life also. Mm-hmm. And uh, we cling tenaciously to the here and now and not to you know, cheery Michael Easy sermon, uh, not to be discouraging, but this life is temporary. Yeah. And the believer that everlasting is a great reminder. This is a temporary dwelling place. We are not here forever. Um, let me pray, and then I want to look at two passages uh, with you. And um, again, if you've got a question or comment that we might be able to answer, we'd love to do that. But let's come to our Father. Thanks, Lord, that you hear us. Um, we can't gather physically as a body of Christ, but what a delight to have technology that we can use for good. And I pray uh, for comfort for your people. Uh, we are your sheep. You are the great shepherd. You are the only true God, the one Lord God. And we come to you as a needy people. We can be anxious. We can be scared. We can be fearful. We can be uh, overreactive. And we can also be careless. Uh, so help us to find the balance of what it means to trust you to be faithful to you, first and foremost, uh, to look around our family, our community, our neighborhood, our sphere of influence, and know how we might be able to encourage one another to not live in fear, because as believers, as Wayne reminded us from Psalm 23, uh, we have an eternal uh, placeholder in the heavens with you. Uh, Nothing in this world uh, is really something we should be afraid of, because ultimately you've overcome the grave, You've granted believers eternal life with you. So remind us not to be a maudlin, but this earth is not home. And this is a temporary way station to be good sojourners and pilgrims on the path. So encourage each of us uh, to take comfort in you, your word, uh, to spend time with you and with those in our sphere that we can encourage in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We also sent out, I think it went through Instagram, um, a a little, you know, what can you do? And we we call it three by five, three things you could do, uh, five each day. Uh, One would be uh, five things that you're thankful for when you wake up this morning. Uh, What are things, I'm thankful for Logan and for Warren and for you and Patty and and the women who called everyone in the church. I had the same conversation. My daughter said, Dad, Dad. Who's this person? They left a voice message, and I don't know who they are, and they were checking on us. That was so sweet, you know. Uh, but those women took it upon themselves. Wayne or I asked them to do that. That was great to see. Um, what are you thankful for? And, and, and to thank God, what a, what a delight to see God's people come together. And then uh, take five minutes to pray. Uh, that may be uh, simple for some of us. Uh, one person said, that's a lot of time to pray. 
We're all in different places, but it's a good discipline, and you have the margin now. And then who are uh, people you could encourage? Who are five folks you could chase after and just call? I've spent tons of time on the phone this week, as I know you have, all around the country talking to people. And one of my uh, missions is not to only talk about COVID-19, but what's going on in your family? What's going on in your community? How are you doing personally? And it's been a great time to catch up with some very long-term friends. Uh, Cindy and I were talking, uh, George Bocorny. Uh, might be watching George um, and I go back to, I was in third grade he was in fifth grade we talked this week at great length and he said easily we've been friends for over 50 years now and that just it's, it's more than that Michael what more than more than more than <laughs> but but you know that was shocking yeah but we had such a sweet time uh, as brothers in Christ being able to connect over that. And so it's not that hard and it's been a great time for us to catch up with people and not just don't talk only about COVID-19 and all the fear-mongering. Um, and then, you know, just just a, three things you could do. List of five, five, five. Five friends, five things you can pray for and be thankful for, and uh, you know, five ways to, to encourage one another. So um, but let me read a couple of these passages. This is one that I've gone to in my own life of, of chronic pain and back surgeries. And those of you that know my story, that's enough. But um, this has been a passage that centers me, and it's in 2 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And then Paul's going to go back and forth with this literary device that is so beautiful. The God of all comfort. And then he says, Who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we've been comforted in our experience with God, and you're going through an affliction. We want you to have the same comfort we have had. He continues, verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. Stop for just a second. Um, Paul lived a difficult life post-conversion. And you can read in chapter 8 about all the things he endured, suffering the shipwrecks, the beatings, all the snake bit, all the things he went through. And he makes this chilling comment. Uh, And above all these things, his concern for all the churches. He lived a very difficult life. He suffered greatly. Uh, Remember Ananias when he goes to to confront Saul of Tarsus at that point, who's blind. And uh, Jesus is, is telling Ananias, go and tell him. And Ananias is afraid. And finally, the Lord says, go, for I will show him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. Pretty chilling comment for that's that's your mission in life as an apostle to the Gentiles. You're going to suffer. So he writes from experience. He said, just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, listen, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. And that's the part of the equation I hope you will center in on is that no matter what you're going through, uh, if you're not realigning yourself and recalibrating yourself to the comfort Christ brings, you're missing out on this part of your faith journey and your, your salvation, the benefits of being saved. He continues, but if we are afflicted, or we could say since we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is the effective in the patient endurance of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Loaded phrase. Uh, If we get this comfort, it's to share with you, and also for those that don't know Christ, for your salvation, 
that you're comforted. But listen to this phrase again, in the patient enduring of the same suffering. Americans are very poor at patiently enduring anything. We're instant gratification. We want a pill. We want a test. We want a vaccine. We want to stop it now. Um, Corey Ten Boom, uh, if I remember correctly, prayed for the West Church to be persecuted because it, the, the, the Christianity in the West was a concern to who? Because it was so superficial. And she goes, you need persecution to clean out the ranks and to solidify the believer. Uh, can you endure suffering? Can you patiently endure when you're sick, when you don't have a diagnosis, when your marriage is in trouble, when life's not working, when you're unemployed for a time period, when you can't pay your employees? Can you endure that patiently? That's a mark of a growing Christian. The same sufferings which we suffer. And then he finishes in verse 7. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing this, that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also are you sharers of our comfort. And this is one of those uh, antinomies in Scripture. Believers are going to suffer. It's how you suffer. Uh, When Paul writes about we grieve as those who do not have hope, we grieve differently than those who have no hope. The Christian life is different. We're not spared from suffering. We're not spared from disease. We're not spared from the what-is of life. The difference is we have a confidence in Christ. Any any thoughts or commentaries on that passage in your own Life and experience. Well, it's interesting. While you're reading that, I was looking at my notes in my Bible, and in those short verses, Paul uses the word comfort ten times. I think it was on his mind. Mm-hmm. I think he was more focused on the fact that he had the master of the universe at his fingertips and all his resources than mm-hmm. he was worried about what was going on in yeah. his life. Remarkable guy. Yeah. Remarkable guy. Uh, another passage that um, I have turned to again and again, and I actually have written in my Bible on this occasion, it really came home to me before my back surgery in December of 2007, and that was a, a, a very uncomfortable time waiting for the surgery. And this is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It's a short passage. Many of us know the verses before about uh, the Word of God being living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. That's verse 12, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare. And that refers back to the sword. It cuts through all these things, open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And then the clause, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Get a picture of this high priest, perfect, complete, never sinned, righteous, yet he is tempted and he understands all the fears, all the anxieties, all the what-ifs that you and I deal with. That's why it, this whole intercession thing in Hebrews, he's the great intercessor. You don't need someone between God and man because you have the person of Jesus Christ. And then he continues, um, verse 16, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Three things to me this passage. We have a great high priest. You hold fast your confession of faith and draw near with confidence. 
We have a great high priest. There's no one like him. One and only. He knows all your fear. He knows all your anxiety. He knows all our sin. And he kindly forgives us as we acknowledge that. Hold fast to your confession. Did you trust in Christ and Christ alone? It's a good time to be reminded of that. He lived. He died. He was buried. He came back from the dead three days later to prove victory not only over death, but victory over sin and condemnation. Any and all who put their trust in Christ and Christ alone are given the promise of eternal life, given the assurance of the forgiveness of sins, a relationship with him that begins now and continues forever. If you don't know Christ, this is a great time to come to terms with who he is and to know that he loves you, he died in your place, he took care of your sin condition, he forgives again and again and again. It blows my mind. Whenever I read that passage, he forgives us for his name's sake in the Psalms and Isaiah. He forgives you and me for his reputation. And he, he gives this great gift, Paul says, grace by faith. The gift is granted. So we hope you know Christ. If you don't know him, that's our big prayer. If you know him, the author of Hebrews says, hang on to your confession. Did you believe this? Do you know what you know? And then finally, draw near with confidence. Um, when I was a kid, the Wizard of Oz terrified me. The flying monkeys terrified me. And when they walked down that, 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 you know, to go see the great Oz, it terrified me. And there's a guy behind the curtain. It's all a sham. It's all fraud. I think sometimes we look at God with wrong illusions, whether we're afraid of him or he's an unfair judge. And no, there's a man behind the curtain. It's the man, Jesus Christ. And you don't have to fear walking down to that, you know, thing that we've created. You boldly approach the throne of grace because of what Christ has done. So again, you've got a high priest who understands everything. Um, hold fast to what you believe and then draw near with confidence. Uh, whether you're going through cancer treatments, uh, your marriage is in trouble, your kids are breaking your heart, whatever the condition is. Right now we're worried about finances, our future, our stocks, our 401s, are we going to pay our employees? Ay, yeah, yeah. The list can be overwhelming. Take a deep breath. You have a high priest that understands. You can hold fast to what you've believed and then draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. And then he writes to receive mercy and find grace in help in time of need. Sitting I have a dear friend who's with the Lord, Buddy Wood, and uh, he went through a, a, a long process of brain cancer. And he told the story of being bolted down onto a table with this mesh that form-fitted his face. And he had to go in this gamma knife machine. And uh, he couldn't move. And it was strapped in. I don't know about you, but being strapped down with no. your face secured, the claustrophobia comes out pretty quickly. And he said, Michael, he said, uh, when that happened, my nose was itching like crazy. Of course. And I had to lay on that machine as it went back in the tube. I, I was, my arms were secured. I couldn't move. And he goes, I just, I kept praying. And he goes, this verse came to mind. And he goes, Lord, I need mercy and help just in time of need. And he called it just in time grace. Mm -hmm. And he said, I can't repeat it, obviously, but the, the itch went away. Well, it's just an anecdotal story, but it illustrates why don't we hold fast to our confession and draw near with confidence at the time of need. And this is a time of need for a lot of us. I, I, had, a, I had a friend that used to always say, uh, God always gives you what you need, but never before you need it. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think too often we want it in advance. All right, right now. we don't want our faith tested. Let's Psalm 116, the great uh, Whitney Houston song. I love the Lord. He may not be there when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. It's yeah. a great, great rendition. Well, when you were reading those verses, I was drawn to verse 16. Uh, because what struck me is we really do have to do something. I mean, there's an accountability for us. You know, when, when the writer says, draw near, uh, that requires action on our part. And I know for me this week, I'd like to say it wasn't often, but too often my conversations were drawn in the direction of people's faith being challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, the information is all over the board. There's uncertainty. Fear seems to take over instead of faith. And I am reminded that the way you overcome that is by drawing near to yeah. God, by focusing your heart and your mind on God. And there's, there's so much value now more than ever that you would be in God's word mm-hmm. because that's where the comfort is. Absolutely. So, you know, when, when we say let's draw near with confidence, it's two things. One, we have to act. And the second thing we have to do is trust God yeah. that he's got it all. Um, again, if you've got a question or a, a need that you uh, would, maybe we can help, please let us know. Uh, send it through email. Put it on the Facebook. If it's personal, you can use the email address at the church, and we will try to respond to that as soon as possible. We've got a, a bunch of people that are ready to help, ready to serve. Uh, we also have uh, thanks to uh, Christy Condor and Tammy Myrick. They've got a children's uh, uh, work page, basically, and I think they're going to email that to you. Again, if we've got your email You'll get that information. If we don't, give us the information so we can get those resources to you. Um, I had a friend in D.C. this week that um, he's a a very uh, prolific author, writer, and he and I were trading emails back and forth, and I asked him for his take because I got nothing to offer him. He's too smart. And uh, so he wrote back and says, what's your take? And I sat on this for about an hour before I sent it to him. It's like sending your uh, paper to the, you know, the, the English teacher for mm-hmm. their opinion. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I, I wrote back and said, my take, boy, I'm just a theological hack. And then I wrote this, who foresaw the Babylonians destroying God's holy temple? Hmm. Who foresaw the Visigoths, quote, coming over the hill to destroy the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire the world has known? Who foresaw the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague? Who foresaw Pearl Harbor and more recently 9-11? I'm no historian of the 1940s, but I suspect many Bible-believing Christians were pretty convinced Hitler was the Antichrist and that God's judgment, first on the Jews, was indisputable. Our dogmatic conclusions must make God laugh or weep. Man thinks he is something. I've said hundreds of times, we're fallen creatures in a fallen context. And where did we ever get the idea things were going to work out a certain way? Psalm 115, verse 3 reads, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. This is an interruption. I don't think God's the author of these things. I don't think he's doing this to punish. I think that's a a misunderstanding of who he is. But he does allow things. And we are fallen creatures in a fallen context where bad things are going to happen. Providence nor sovereignty assign evil to the Lord. But without question, he allows us broken creatures to plod along in our broken world with some pretense of what I've often to refer to what I often refer to as if then theology. After all, perhaps we quietly think, if we do such and such, we live a certain way, we're good, then 
God will oblige us. He will bless us. He will care, protect us. It's a seductively false premise. Perhaps one lesson that strikes me is how innately we rely on human and man-made props, none of which can withstand the wind, much less COVID-19. We were to learn this when we heard the story of the three little pigs as children, were we not? True believers must rest not in our puny view of life, time, disease, health care, much less government. We serve the one true God and Savior, the only God. There is no other. And He, His will, His plan, His design is beyond comprehension. Faith in Him, rest in Him, trusting Him, clinging desperately to this dust-encased shell, we are petty fools to think otherwise. On that encouraging note, I just want to encourage you, uh, don't live in fear. Uh, Be cautious. Be careful. uh, Follow guidelines. Wash your hands. All those kind of things. Be sensible. But at the end of the day, uh, this world is not our home. This is not our eternal destiny. We We want to live. We want to enjoy life to the fullest, to serve Christ, to love our family, to love friends that don't yet know Christ to be a good witness to the world and how you and I respond. This is a great opportunity for believers to stand head and shoulders. When the world retreats to their homes and is afraid, we can, sh- we can smile. And I'm not afraid. I don't want to die. I don't want my children to die, my grandchildren to die. But this world is not all there is. And we serve a God and Savior who's loving, who's kind, who's merciful. And uh, you need to cling actively, as Wayne said, draw near to him with confidence in this time of need. I was thinking about a funny story since you're so mellow at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think most of you all know that uh, although Patty and I live up here in, in Williamson County, our family's business is in Marshall County. Yes. Right? And it's an it's entire, story. entirely different culture uh, than what most of us you know, experience on a, on a day-to-day basis. And, and I was thinking about how much I appreciate, appreciate about your teaching ministry, the emphasis you put on context. Because I think we live in a time right now where details are governing context instead of context governing, mm-hmm. governing details. And when details lead, it tends to create an environment of fear. But when you have a proper context, your perspective changes and you, you think about things differently. Well, on that note, uh, I'll tell you a story of one of, one of our staff members uh, comes to my son, Justin, this week, who's the head of our HR side of the company. And he's explaining a story of his son-in-law who lives in, I don't know if it was Brentwood or, or Nashville, up here, calling him. Now, now, for folks who don't know, your plant is, what, it's in 40, Marshall 40 County, miles about away? About 40 miles south okay, of, okay. of Nashville in Lewisburg. Uh, you know, low average income, hourly workers predominantly in manufacturing environments. And this fella happened to be probably late 50s, early 60s. And he works in our business. And his son-in-law from Williamson County calls him and says, I need to come down and check up on you because we want to make sure you're safe. And his, his response to Justin and his son-in-law on the phone was, please don't keep it there. <laughs> we don't need you in Marshall County. <laughs> 
so there's still a sense of humor amongst us older folks. Well, and socioeconomically, I mean, we rely on our accomplishments. We rely on our 401s, our retirement plans. Our, you know, we're out of debt, perhaps. We rely on a lot of the props. That's what I meant in my letter to my friend is we, we, these are good props. They're not bad. It's, it's good to have health care. It's good to have retirement. It's good to have an emergency fund, whatever you have. But that's not the ultimate security. And I, I think that's, again, to encourage you, you know, I, I wish I could absolve people of fear altogether in every walk of life because it's it's a terrible waste to live in fear and what-if theology. It's a horrible way. God did not intend. Um, anxiety in the heart of a man weighs down, but a good word lifts up. And uh, you might be that good word to a neighbor. One of the things I've seen, and I, I'm trying not to watch too much news because it's after four minutes you've seen all you need. Um, but at some level, when you see the good coming out in people, uh, when a neighbor does something or someone else, it cheers the whole block up. You, you've seen these guys performing music in front of a, a balcony of apartments of retired seniors or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, just a simple thing like that. What's the gesture that you can do to help somebody? And it also, again, reframes us from some of the vitriol and the noise and the hate we see in the social media and politics and the strident, just angry mob mentality. As a believer, you don't have to, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in fear or in anger. You of all have a God and Savior who knows your days, who knows your destiny, knows everything about you. He forgives you of your sin. He loves you unconditionally. Cling to him. Hang on to his coattails. When my kids were little, um, you know, it, I, I'll never forget one vivid story. Uh, uh, Hannah was probably three. I'd taken her to this pond area. It was a marshland, and they had these wild geese that came in. And there was one large... Uh, alpha male, I guess you would say, that was about as taller than her. And we were feeding bread, and this thing came over, and I don't know if you've been around those, there there can be aggressive animals, but this thing was hissing at her and going after her, and I had to step in the way, and that little girl was climbing up my back so, I mean, she was like death grip on me. Why? She knew her dad was between her and the, and the fear, her and the issue. And I, what a great metaphor do you draw near to him in confidence? He's bigger than COVID-19. He's stronger than the culture of fear. He's reliable. He cares about you. He knows you. We're fallen creatures in a fallen context. Don't live in fear. Live by faith. Live by confidence in him who loves you. I'm about out of soap. Yeah, me too. I got, I, while you were talking, I, I turned to First John. First uh, John 1.18 says this, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. And, and I was just thinking as you were speaking, you know, what matters to us now more than ever is the love of God and us just reflecting on his love in our lives and his sovereign control over all things. And that's what's going to make the fear go away. It's not going to be an announcement from the government. It's not going to be more details. It's going to be trust in a faithful God. Well, as we go forward, we'll probably see you again, uh, this vehicle next week, God willing. And if uh, Warren and Logan are up to helping us out again, we appreciate you. Again, please update your information. This will be uh, recorded on both Facebook and YouTube. You can uh, refer others to go back to it if you didn't 
I had to have the opportunity to watch the whole thing if you want to. Not that you have to, but if you want to, you'll be able to go back and watch it. And please, please, please let us know if you have a specific need. We'd love to see if we can try and help you. Uh, don't live in fear. Please don't live in fear. And uh, we, we've talked earlier this morning about the church doing something financially for families that have problems. If you know of someone and if you personally need financial help, please don't struggle silently. Let us know because we do have some resources and we'd love to try to help you. You want uh, like to pray for us and love to. close yeah. us out? Yeah, Father, thank you for the blessing of faith that you grant us in Christ. Thank you that we can gather in this way. Uh, though we can't be with each other, you know, in person, we can be each other through this technology. How grateful we are that we can worship in this way. And I pray right now, as we all sit in our homes, that you would be receiving glory and honor and praise because we have turned our hearts to you. And we ask so humbly that you would grant us an extra measure of faith this week, that you would give us trust in you that we just can't explain by things of this world, but that just comes out of us that we could be your light in this world. Thank you for these people. We ask your blessing on them. Thank mm -hmm. you for this time we've been able to share together this morning. We leave all these things at the foot of your throne, knowing we serve the one true God, and it's in your son's name we pray and come to you. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a courageous week.